Hello, it's 23rd of April 2017 and this is episode 26 of Scavenger's Horde, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Rachel. And I'm Kirsty. We're here to deliver a regular rundown of Star Wars news, analysis and commentary, with a focus on the sequel trilogy and the future of the saga. Well, how has your week in Star Wars been, Kirsty? Uh, it's been pretty good. Like I've, I've just been kind of keeping up with the, the news, kind of catching up with what came out of Celebration. Uh, Mm Because I feel like we barely touched upon all of the stuff that was happening last week. There was just so much that, yeah, like there's all sorts of things we didn't have a chance to talk about. Um, But yeah, like kind of watching the trailer again and thinking about where things might be going for the story. Um, And I watched The Force Awakens again as well, because it's kind of cool to watch that and then watch the teaser again after that and kind of think about how it's left things and all the answers that are going to come our way. (laughs) So... Yeah, yeah. No, it was exciting times. It's like, oh my god. How about you? <laughs> uh, yeah, pretty much the same. Just dealing with like the fallout from the Last Jedi. So it makes it sound like something awful's happened. <laughs> it's the opposite. Something wonderful has happened. Um, but yeah, there's just been so much to process, and on Tumblr in particular, there's just been like 50 million ask messages to answer because <laughs> naturally everyone's very curious about things and they have loads of questions, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, it's just such an exciting time to be in this fandom and it's really cool. Um, right. Just to get the business out of the way, if you have a moment, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you took to iTunes to rate or review us, um, cause we really appreciate that. Um, and if you have any questions for the podcast, please do email those to scavengershorde at gmail.com and we will aim to get to those when we can. Um, This episode is going to continue our recent track record of breaking from the usual format because, again, we just feel there's so much to say about the stuff that came out from Celebration that we want to make sure we do a good job of covering that and covering it thoroughly. Um, So, yeah, this episode, there's not going to be news um, or questions or it came from Reddit or anything like that. We're just going to focus on a nice, meaty breakdown of that great teaser trailer. Good place to start in terms of this discussion would just be to say that, yeah, the trailer's pretty awesome, but it is at the same time very obtuse and mysterious because it is just a teaser. And I think it's a true teaser because if you look at something like the trailer for for Ragnarok, that's technically a teaser, but it really gives away a lot, mm. like including a major set piece from that film. And one of the things I like about the Star Wars teasers is that they're true teasers. It's all very enigmatic and mysterious. And I appreciate that. So I think it conveys the level of confidence that the filmmakers have in the property. that They know they don't need to like splurge and give away everything in the promo materials. Because they've basically already hooked you in with like the drama and all the overhanging questions from The Force Awakens. Oh yeah, definitely. Because it's like all those the characters who we can't wait to see again. It's all like, you know, very either very tight shots of the characters' faces or like these, um, you know, epic location-like glimpses. Yeah. So it's kind of one or the other. And it, it like you said, it doesn't give away a lot of the plot, but that's kind of part of the fun because we're going to get into some pretty wild speculation. And probably yes. everyone is going to be wrong about stuff, but it doesn't matter because it's so much fun in the meantime. Exactly. Yeah. It's just about having fun at this stage. and. Take everything we say of a pinch of salt, because obviously it's going to be informed speculation. 
but that doesn't mean that is going to be correct because it is only speculation. It's not like we have the script to The Last Jedi to flick through in front of us and say, oh yes, this comes from scene 21A and <laughs> this is happening. Um, but yeah, it's a big part of the fun for me and I'm sure you, Kirsty, because this is like our bread and butter. Yeah, like I really enjoyed watching the teaser over and over again and kind of seeing um, some of the, well, because we've been keeping up with the spoilers, things that we had heard about, like finally seeing them on screen, um, mm. like the planets and things like that. But um, also to kind of tease out some of the themes and influences that Ryan Johnson has been talking about, like during the filmmaking process. So things like the yeah. movie Letter Never Sent that we've talked about before. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just kind of fun to to look at it and then recognize, oh, maybe that's what he was talking about, you know? Exactly. That's a really exciting part of it. Um, right. I think this is probably a good time to actually move into the breakdown proper. And before we start this, it's very important to say that this whole discussion is going to be heavily infused with spoilers. So essentially, I'll just say stop here if you don't want to be spoiled for The Last Jedi, because we're going to be referring to things like making Star Wars articles and articles from Star Wars Newsnet. And those are sources that have like levels of trustworthiness, especially making Star Wars. So they are going to be on the money. In short, please don't go on if you want to avoid being spoiled because this is a spoiler breakdown and some of this is legit information that is not otherwise out in the public domain. So consider yourself warned. Turn back now. <laughs> please, 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 please don't hold us to account. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, they were very on the money. Like when I was watching the teaser, I was like, oh, that's what they were talking about with this. And yeah. yeah. So it was pretty cool. I was really shocked because, like, going actually, I don't know why I was shocked because making stars, they have a very illustrious track record, shall you say, <laughs> um, of like spoilers, and they've been shown to be very on the money before. Um, but yeah, I guess because this was like the first real test of their last Jedi information, and yeah, they were on the nose for pretty much everything, and it's very, very impressive. So they're doing a great job over there. And then the first thing to talk about is, of course, the first shot. And it starts in a really interesting fashion because it's a black screen, and then it fades out and it almost looks like a star field. Mm. But then you realise it's actually a rock and Ray's hand comes slamming down and then the camera pans up and you see Ray and she's like bent over on the floor, like breathless, and it, it seems like she's just experienced something like shocking or something that's alarmed her. So yeah, w when you saw this, Kirsty, what did you make of it? I wondered if she'd uh, experienced another Force vision. Yes. Because it was very reminiscent of how she comes out of that Force vision in The Force Awakens and she's she's totally thrown, isn't she? Like, it's, yeah. it's shocking to be kind of completely immersed in this thing that's somehow removed from the, the real material world and then to come out of it again. And she's panting heavily and she just looks so shocked. Like, something has just been revealed to her. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's a very intriguing way to begin things. Um, yeah. And the music's very mystical as well. So kind of adds to that yeah. feel. There's always like a strain of like evil or something sinister going on. The main thing I noticed, and this isn't just with this shot, but regarding Ray, uh, mm -hmm. they made a point of showing us her new look on the uh, toy packaging that they'd released recently. Um, yes. Like with her new hairstyle and a slightly different outfit and things. But everything we saw of her in this teaser was uh, recognised from The Force Awakens, her look there. So yeah you know you can log logically deduce from that that everything we see of ray and i guess finn too because he's still in the the back to like thing recovering um mm -hmm. is pretty early on in the film right which makes yeah. sense because they don't want to reveal major 
developments. Um, but it's just something to keep in mind when we're trying to piece together the structure of the film. Yeah, no, I think this is going to be one of the first things that happens. It's probably a very early scene. Um, one thing I was wondering about is how you know it starts off and it like, tricks you into thinking you're looking at a star field before you realise it's a rock. I do wonder if that's like an illusion that's going to be used in the film itself. Like, as in that will be the transition from the vision back to reality. Mm. Like that close up on the rock. Um, and that maybe Ray's vision involved seeing space or seeing something flying off because um, we know like there's a precedent for her looking up and seeing like a star field almost because in her vision in The Force Awakens, she looks up and she sees the ship, presumably the ship of her family on it, taken off and then the sky goes dark. Mm. And yeah, I kind of wondered if it might be revisiting that sort of theme. But yeah, we simply do not know enough. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. Absolutely. Um, right, then shot two. It's there's, there's less to say here. It's basically a beauty shot of Skellig Michael and it does look very, very beautiful indeed. Um, I would say the sun is setting. That means something to us who like the people who've been keeping it with spoilers, right? That it's that yeah. time of day. Yes. Um, so basically spoilers, 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 but you should only be here now if you want spoilers. So yeah, no no crying to your mums, no crying to your mums. Um <laughs> <laughs> basically spoiler reports indicate that Kylo Ren and his posse is unclear if it's the Knights of Ren or not. Initially, everyone thought it was the Knights of Ren. Now people are less sure. It's all very confusing and there's conflicting reports. They turn up on Act 2 sometime in the first act, is what we understand to be the case, and they do it just as the sun is setting. So because of that, my speculation is that this might well be an establishing shot for when they're on their way or when they've just arrived, something like that. Um, and yeah, there's obviously heavy symbolism in the sun going down as there's about to be this big dramatic fight. It's like, oh, it's going to be much more dark and scary because there's no sun in the sky. Mm-hmm. Just like how the sun disappeared when Kylo murdered his father on Starkiller Base in The Force Awakens. It suggests that bad things are going to happen, basically. Yeah. And it could, it's kind of just, I mean, in my mind, it's a nice callback to Kylo seeing the island in Ray's mind when he's yes. interrogating her because presumably we don't know for sure but presumably it's through that connection that he'll figure out where she is because he couldn't find luke uh he needed the map for that but now that ray's there he's mm. he's managed to find them so yeah that's how he tracks them down yeah um that's the working theory anyway like i've seen various ideas about that some people have suggested that um he put a tracker on the millennium falcon it's in one of the um deleted scenes obviously kylo goes on the falcon um, and some people suggested that you put a tracker on it then. But I don't think that's a very interesting explanation. And I also think the fact that that scene was removed from the film probably means it's unlikely to be the right answer, because if it were important that Kylo were on that ship, like for the purpose of presumably putting a tracker on it, then I think they would have kept the scene in the film. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's, the, that's a way that the story could go, but if they're wanting to emphasise the connection that Rey and Kylo Ren have which they seem to do during The Force Awakens, then this would be like an easy way to show that it's potential. Yes. So. Exactly. Like, it would be um, a good way of establishing just how far it goes as well. Mm. So I doubt it would be a one and done kind of deal. It would probably be a conceit that's returned to several times. Yeah. Because if you have people who are in each other's minds to the point where one person can tell where the other person is in the galaxy... (laughs) 
by being in that person's mind then yeah it's not the kind of thing where you just use it to help them in that one situation and then you never acknowledge it again right it's gonna remain important throughout the whole thing in some in one way or another yeah like presumably at some point it would then help ray figure out something else about kylo yeah exactly so it would be going both ways Right, I believe at this point, by the way, so I'm going to try and do the words as well, although it's harder to talk about them because obviously it's not like we have the audio playing out in front of us on the screen. Um, Luke says, just breathe. Um, See, I I don't think it's like an antenatal class. I'm (laughs) guessing he's just trying to get her to chill and be calm and focus on the force and all that kind of majestic wonderfulness. Um, and yeah, then there's yet another beautiful shot of Act 2, and it's an aerial shot. Um, it's probably one of the shots where there's the least amount to say. Um, it's just the island looking very craggy, and there's waves breaking upon the shore. Um, if anything, I'd say maybe one of the very, very first shots in the film, because the colour grading looks similar to how The Force Awakens ended. Yeah, and it's that time of day when she arrived, right? So Yeah. It, well, it's interesting that they're kind of putting this after the sun setting because it kind of shows that it's pretty disjointed right that the the narrative of the teaser isn't supposed to just flow yes but... exactly it's definitely not progressing from the previous shot that's for certain yeah um right and then the next shot which is much more interesting is ray facing the sea on act two and yeah i find this shot very intriguing um I've seen some people suggest that this is tied to a spoiler that we have where Ray apparently goes into the sea and fights a sea monster, which is quite spectacular sounding, if I don't if you don't mind me saying. Um I don't think that's the case for several reasons. Um one of the main ones being that the report about Ray fighting the sea monster comes from making Star Wars. And they specifically say that Ray is wearing a cloak or a cape for that scene. And in the shot from the trailer where she's standing by the sea, there's clearly no such thing. She is not wearing a cape or a cloak. Yeah, and we saw Um, that image of Rey with the cloak, right? So we know that that is one of her costumes, but she's not wearing that at this point in time. So Exactly, yeah. And I think that this shot of Rey facing the sea, if anything, it ties back to the previous shot of the sun going down. I reckon the shot of Rey looking out would probably come soon after that moment because it's a little bit later in the day. There's very little sunlight left, although there is just a vestige. And she's looking out, and I would bet on that being because she knows Kylo and his gang are coming, and she's going like, oh God, oh God, oh God, and trying to pump herself up for it. Yeah, which is really interesting, because if she can sense him, and then is staying there, like she's standing her ground rather than trying to escape. Um, Mm. I do wonder if that's kind of a reflection of how Rey, even though she looks tense, as you say, it's not like she's uh, really afraid of him in the same way that she might have been in The Force Awakens because she's physically conquered that fear at at this point, right? Um, Yeah. And she's learned things about him that have evolved her understanding of what's going on. So, like, she, if she knows he's coming and isn't fleeing, like, I feel like that speaks about something in, in terms of her development. Yeah, no, definitely. She's clearly like not cowed by the idea that Kylo and his friends might be coming. She's um like facing them confidently, and I think that says a lot from a character point of view because she's not like running and hiding. She, and as far as she's concerned, she probably doesn't have that much to be afraid of anymore. And as you say, especially if she's been in his mind and she actually understands him more, maybe understands a bit about why Kylo Ben Solo became Kylo Ren. 
then it probably would be less scary to her because she'd probably be like, well, you're just a bit like a pathetic, sad person, really, aren't you, deep down? Yeah, I do wonder if at this point she kind of feels more something closer to pity than fear. Mm, um, yeah. And, you know, again, she's wearing that that outfit that she was already wearing at the end of The Force Awakens. So it, if this does tie to that, it's suggesting that Kylo arrives in the first act. Like it's yeah. towards the beginning of the film. So I've seen some people speculate that they wouldn't meet again until the end of the film, like another climactic duel. But it seems yeah. like it would actually be much earlier than that. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because then that paves the way for some more development. Absolutely. I think a lot of people do anticipate this film being The Empire Strikes Back Strike 2. Mm. And obviously in that film, it's not like Darth Vader and co came down to Dagobah <laughs> and fought with um, Luke and Yoda. That is not a thing that happened. Um, so yeah, I think it would radically change the direction of the story um, by having Kylo and gang turn up very early and facing Rey then. Yeah. Um, because what do you do with those characters after that point? What happens to them? Because everyone expects the confrontation between Rey and Kylo to be the stuff of the climax of the film, not the stuff of the start of the film. So yeah, it raises all these questions around where do we go from here? Yeah. it's really interesting. And again, I think Ryan's given us clues to this in the past when he's talked about films like Letter Never Sent and Three Outlaw Samurai, um, Mm -hmm. because they kind of hinge on these people being isolated in this area together and being considered either enemies or like there's this tense not antagonistic but especially in the case of Letter Never Sent people feel like these torn loyalties and there's all this kind of bubbling tension um, Yeah, and then that the, the film is kind of about that coming to a head in one way or another Yes. So and Three Outlaw Samurai obviously someone's taken prisoner sorry I'm giving out huge spoilers for these films sorry if people haven't watched them but it's interesting to watch them and then think about how they might play into it because they do have that feel of like people who probably don't necessarily want to be around each other or mm-hmm. like one person does and the other person doesn't. Um, yeah, it's paves the way for some very interesting interactions. Totally. Right. And then shot five is Ray and she's levitating some rocks. Um and yeah, one can only assume that this is like a training thing that Luke is getting her to do. Um, although that might be a bit of a false assumption, to be honest, because that's what everyone expects it to be. So no Ryan Johnson, it might well be something really tricksy or weird <laughs> that none of us could anticipate. Um, but it does seem very much like a training exercise. She's starting small and then maybe later on she'll skirt bigger. Like maybe she'll levitate the whole sea monster. <laughs> it's full glory that would actually be quite cruel so. and this was something that we'd heard about from the Disney shareholders uh, presentation right yes so it wasn't a huge surprise to see this but it does kind of remind me of Looper as well um, yeah which I know There's it's lots like, of levitation yeah it's obviously like a precedent we have in Star Wars from Empire but um, I don't know because it's Ryan Johnson it kind of reminded me of that shot with the kid levitating everything in the room yeah it makes you wonder if Ray will have a similar moment yeah, it's interesting to think about how she will learn to control her powers, right? Because, mm. yeah, I, some something tells me that it's just not going to go the same way as it, it did with Luke because everyone's counting on that, right? Everyone's counting on Rey being the new Luke, but she isn't. She's her own character, so. Yeah, I think in many ways some um, The Last Jedi will be like Empire Strikes Back gone really, really wrong. Because <laughs> you could argue that everything went wrong in the Empire Strikes Back anyway because Luke disobeyed his orders and 
everything. But that really does seem quite minor. And I think there's room for Ray to go much more off target, so to speak, than Luke did. Um, yeah, and I think that's a very exciting prospect, if true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then there's some more dialogue here, and it's Luke again, and he's saying, "Now, just reach out." What do you see? <laughs> nice impression. Thank you. <laughs> I wasn't sure I was going for like Christian Bale or Mark. <laughs> Probably like halfway between them. Um, it's cool that we're just hearing dialogue from Luke finally, right? I know, right? Like, he wasn't speaking at all, and now you can't shut him up. (laughs) But he's very much in that whole mystical, like, wizened mentor kind of... That's what it sounds like, right? That he's, like, very... Breathe! Like, you know. He has endless wisdom to share. Like, and and asking her what does she see as well. Like, it's focusing on Ray's connection with the Force. Totally, yeah. No, he's been very teachery. Um, yeah, like it's all like very instructional video almost. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so it's cool. Unsurprised, un- not surprising that Ray's been trained. It seems from going by this that her training is in full swing during the first act. I kind of wonder if um Luke, although he initially doesn't really want to train her or give her any guidance or help, he kind of decides he has to because he realizes that Kylo Ren's come in. Maybe because Ray tells him. Um, and he's like, oh crap, oh crap, oh crap, we need to get you ready. Um, and then everything starts in high gear. So, okay, levitate rocks, fight the sea monster, do it, do it, do it. Yeah. Isn't yeah. It interesting. Like, I know that people, like, oh yeah, Ray's definitely going to get trained by Luke. But then also there's this idea that Luke would take Kylo on himself. But if mm-hmm. he's training up Ray, that would kind of indicate that that's not something that he's willing to engage in, right? Yeah, it's something he feels that Ray has to do rather than he has to do. Mm. I wonder if that fits in with his whole "the Jedi need to end." It's like, I know, like the idea of seeing Luke with his lightsaber again would be really cool. Like, it's, mm-hmm. you know, very fan servicey, and obviously, after the Force Awakens, people are itching to see Luke do something impressive. But yeah. it it might be that he's kind of left that behind him, right? Yeah, like I could see him becoming like a super super extreme pacifist because. Obviously, at the end of Return of the Jedi, his defining moment is throwing away his lightsaber, refusing to use it. Um, so I could see him being in a situation where he's like, well, I won't fight. You will fight because someone has to put this guy down and stop him. Um, but then that's it. There is going to be no more. And then I can see that like understanding, changing and developing as stuff happens. And Kaido actually gets there and things take surprising turns. Mm. Um, because I think it is a bit of a false assumption that Ray went there to be trained. I don't think she did. I think she just went there to get Luke back. Like she, I don't for a min- minute think she anticipated staying there for like months and months so Luke could train her. Because as far as she's concerned, Luke needs to be back, stat with Leia and the rest of them. Um, and her job is to get Luke back to them. Um, so I think she will probably be quite frustrated and annoyed that Luke doesn't want to budge. <laughs> immediately yeah that's another thing that daisy's been kind of hinting at recently with her interviews right that ray now has to figure out what she wants because she was kind of just kind of bumped along (laughs) with the events of the Mm -hmm. force awakens and it's kind of oh she's at this island now but now how does she feel about being trained up or does she want to leave or go back to jakku like that would be an option for her if she wanted to do that so it's kind of crunch time for ray to figure out what she wants in life as well yeah, And it might not be what everyone assumes. And that's kind of what Daisy was hinting at. You know, that she 
um, she almost said, what did she say? Like, um, I feel like Ray sometimes. That's what she said. Like, this is kind of like my feeling that everyone's telling me that I should be in this way. So it's, it's cool that she identifies with the character that mm. she feels like people are always telling her what to do and how to feel and be. Um, yeah so now, so I'm sure Daisy feels a lot of pressure like being this like female icon and this role model mm. to loads of little girls um, and Ray is very much like that figure in universe as well she's like this almost mythical heroine who like defeated the mighty Kylo Ren against all the odds and that does put a lot of pressure on her shoulders um, and yeah it's going to be a question of how she deals with that reputation and whether she even wants to have that reputation right so. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting. And then the next shot is of Leia from the back. And she's looking at one of those very pretty Star Wars holographic maps in front of her. And yeah, it appears to be some kind of resistance space station. Um, so I'm pretty sure that's a window behind her. No, in front of her, sorry, looking out into space. Um, and yeah, like I'm guessing this means that the resistance have relocated from Dakar. And that they're like on some kind of mobile outpost at this point. Um, and Leia's outfit seems very regal and cool. And it's also worth noting that she has like a almost like intimidating silhouette, I guess you could say. Like she looks for a brief moment like she could be Darth Vader with the cloak or like maybe even like Edgelord Kylo Ren. <laughs> um <laughs> And I don't think that kind of thing is accidental. We're seeing this striking silhouette of her from behind. And I think that is meant to remind people that, yes, this is the daughter of Darth Vader and the mother of Kylo Ren. She's not just the resistance hero. There's more to her than that. Um, so, yeah, it's just a really cool shot to me. Yeah. it's And it's cool that you get, you know, Rey saying the light and then you hear young Leia from A New Hope, like pleading of Obi-Wan, you know, mm-hmm. Um and you hear Ray's theme, of course. So, like you say, there's this almost juxtaposition with this dark silhouette of Leia, but with the light music and the talking about the light and, like, mm-hmm. you know, asking a light side user, Obi-Wan, for help. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah it's so just to be mix. clear, I don't think it means she's going to become, like, a Sith Lord. Or uh, of course not. It would be a very interesting development for Leia's character. I'm sure Carrie would have relished that. <laughs> um, but yeah that's not going to be a thing that happens unfortunately yeah um, but we saw in Bloodline Leia starting to come to terms with who her father was and it, it mm-hmm. did almost seem like a foreshadowing of uh, you know if they don't kind of get this under control and accept the dark side in their family then her son was going to fall as well obviously by the time that Bloodline came out we knew what had happened to her son um, yeah. but at the point Bloodline is set he hasn't fallen yet presumably yeah if he has leia hasn't heard anything about it she hasn't heard anything from luke for a while either so she sends this message to him saying you know i i need to talk to you about the fact that your grandfather is is uh vader and we hadn't told you but it's kind of left up in the air as to whether ben solo gets that message so Mm. i would be very interested to see if the last jedi like you say is going to be about these themes of accepting um, the light and the dark in the Skywalker family and what that means for all of the various characters. Yeah, you've also just reminded me that I think there's a scene in Bloodline after the news that Leia as Darth Vader's daughter is made public and there's like a description of how Leia deliberately dresses herself yes. to um, like call to mind Darth Vader. Which is hilarious. 
Yeah, it's hilarious. But I kind of wonder if she's doing that here. Mm. Like, it makes me wonder perhaps if, like, news of Kylo Ren's got out. <laughs> it's like, oh no. <laughs> um, I Like, I don't think that will happen, to be honest, because I think that would just make it too convoluted. Um. But it could be. But I could. But it could be Leia herself dressing in that way for that reason, and then not necessarily yeah. like declaring it to everyone else. Yeah. But yeah, kind of like a weird homage to her father or her son, like yeah. who she knows is still out there, and she believes. Well, in the Force Awakens, she, at least she believed that he still had light in him. Yeah, and I could see if there's um like a confrontation with Laura Dunn's character, who also seems to be like a military figure, like aligned with the New Republic and the Resistance. I could see her trying to like score points on Leia on the basis of, oh, you're just the daughter of Darth Vader. How can anyone trust you? Like, which is what lots of enemy politicians were doing in Bloodline. Mm. Um, so I could see her like wearing this kind of outfit as a big F you to those kinds of people. Yeah. Because like, we, we got a, a shot of this outfit from the front, didn't we? In yeah. more of the photos that Ryan was sharing in the panel. And it does have this very dramatic flair to it. It's like a dark grey colour. It's kind of what you could picture Leia wearing if she went dark side. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, she looks awesome, basically. And it's just nice to see Carrie included. Um, Right, then the next shot is of Kylo Ren's helmet all smashed and smoky on the ground. And yeah, this is a very, very interesting shot. And there's been lots of talk and discussion about it. And I basically think there are two central possibilities for this shot. I think it either comes right from the beginning of the film when Kylo like takes the mask and is like, no, I don't need you anymore. I'm proper evil, I am. I don't need a mask. And he like hacks and slashes it and like kicks it around and does the whole Kylo Ren thing. Um, <laughs> uh, so either that happens very early in the film when he's trying to like prove to himself that, yeah, I'm super duper evil. Or it happens like much closer to the end of the film when he's engaged in some kind of full-scale rebellion against the First Order, against Snoke, against everything that Mask represents, like because the Mask basically is the face of Kylo Ren. Um, and he destroys it because he's like, no, I'm destroying you. I need to move on with my life. I'm going to just choose to be something different. Mm. If I um, had to guess, I think it would be towards the beginning. Yeah. Just kind of based on where they seem to be going with the character and making Star Wars had mentioned that he seems to be wearing a mask much less um, of the time than he was in The Force Awakens. Um, mm. And that it's kind of a strange, like, it's a modification of the mask, but it's very subtle. And yeah. Yeah, he doesn't look quite right in it because his costume's changed and he doesn't have that cowl and hood anymore. So the mask looks very exposed and kind of strange. Um, yeah. And just, I don't know, for me, like, if if the intended symbolism is, like you say, that he's rejecting it because he's still kind of, he's he's still in denial thinking, oh, I don't need this anymore because I'm so strong, then it would kind of subvert the audience's expectations as well because then he goes off to walk two without the mask because he doesn't need it anymore and then things kind of fall apart again. Yeah. Um. Yeah. It's, no, and he realises that he's even more vulnerable because he doesn't have the mask to hide behind at this point. Right. And everyone can see every single emotion that's playing across his face. So he'd probably like to think he can regulate his emotions and like convey this dark side badass from within himself. Um, but yeah, I don't 
see that act being sustainable in the long term for him. Yeah. Because like in the Star Wars data bank, they make a big point of saying how like he's more lost than ever and more confused and more directionless after killing his father. Yeah. And killing his father was meant to have been the thing that like sold him on the dark side completely. That was meant to be the point of no return. And I think he wants that to have been his point of no return, but I don't think it will be. And I think that's going to be deeply troubling and upsetting to him. Yeah, that's what you say, like, the idea of doubling down on it and thinking, right, I, I made the right decision, even though it's still tearing him apart inside. But he has, he probably feels like he has no other choice um, mm-hmm. because he committed to that now. He can't take back that action. Um, so it's like, okay, well, I have to be with Snoke now. Like, But yeah, like, he's he's committed to that now. And even though it's going to com- all come out that he's still a mess underneath, like there has to be that moment of tension where the audience is led to believe something because the character believes it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, yeah. it fits in with what Ryan's been talking about with the references to Robert Bly, like this idea of men kind of cutting themselves off from their emotions, but then over time it comes back so much worse than ever. Mm. We, you know, we, we got hints of that in The Force Awakens. Obviously, this is a person who's trying to suppress their emotions and ironically it comes out in these big emotional outbursts. But... um I feel like they have to kind of build on that idea to get to a climax. Yeah. What do you think about all the glass surrounding it? How the hell do you think that happened? I don't know. Because <laughs> you, you mentioned last week that you thought it was like the mask could have been in a display case of some kind. Yeah. That was just a speculation as I was I, trying to like yeah, wrestle with I'm not, what the hell it might I'm be. I'm really not sure. Unless other stuff kind of got caught in the crossfire as he was destroying it. Um, <laughs> like, I, I do wonder if perhaps... Like it's because obviously in the Force Awakens his mask that was destroyed, so the mask he was wearing in the Force Awakens no longer exists because it was left on the bridge, and it presumably blew up with the whole planet unless some kind of like her highly conscientious stormtrooper saw it then for oh Kylo Ren will need this and picked it up and brought it along, so it's probably a new one, and <laughs> I was wondering if like the one that smashed here. It might be like his replacement one that like Snoke had ready and someone's given to him and it's perhaps presented to him in a glass box. And it's like, okay, Kylo, who's your new mask? Put it on. And it's like, no, I don't need it. Smash, smash, smash. Yeah. Because um, we've heard yeah. there have been ever spoilers like about Snoke and his his setting. Um, and it sounds like <laughs> yeah. very opulent and grand. So he could have things in like display cases and it could be presented to Kylo when he goes to Snoke, but yeah. then either Snoke asks him to destroy it or he destroys it like in this big display to prove to Snoke that he doesn't need that, you know? Yeah. He's dark enough without it. So And it's funny, so if that is the case, then it very much seems like a desperate move. Mm. It doesn't seem like someone who's like nice and chilled and at ease with who they are would do. It's something you do like in a moment of like passion and high emotion. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so I think, ironically, he'd be disproving his own point by destroying it in such a fit of anger. Because if you're genuinely, like, confident in who you are, why would you be so angry with this mask, which presumably helped you on your journey to becoming dark? So. Yeah. So, of elements of this is really interesting. Like, you obviously have Kylo's theme slowed down, played over the top. And then mm. you have Alec Guinness speaking as Obi-Wan, like, talking about Vader being seduced to the dark side. So it's again yes. connecting Kylo to his grandfather, but presumably we're not going to see the same story play out because he's already on the dark side, you know? Yeah. So 
interesting to think Stop. about. But it's it's just cool that they're again connecting that legacy. Yeah, and connecting. Totally. You know, because we had the previous shot with Leia as well. It's like this is mm. the Skywalker family, the light and the dark. Yeah, mother and son. Mm-hmm. Right then, the next shot is of the interior of the tree on Actu, and there's a lovely little bookshelf. And there's like a selection of volumes. I think some people have counted these and they've actually counted 10 books, <laughs> which is, <laughs> so I see you, I see what you're doing. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting. It's something that you don't expect to see in Star Wars physical books because they basically use space iPads and they have used space iPads for a long time. Uh, so yeah, it's a really interesting thing to see. It suggests that they're very, very ancient texts and it creates like intrigue over what could be in these books and why these books are significant because they're clearly important they're positioned in the center of the frame there's like a shaft of light shining upon them um so yeah like i've seen people speculate that these might be like the jedi ten commandments or something um and yeah i could see something like that or the dead sea scrolls or yeah just something that fundamentally alters people's perceptions of what the force is and how it should be followed and stuff i think it's going to be earth shattering stuff within those pages yeah i'm dying to know what it is because we've had so much you know so many hints in the books and things about obviously it's been very mysterious and vague because it's going to be safe for the movie but all these ideas of luke traveling around searching for law and you know being helped by people like law santeca um so you have to wonder what it is that he discovered that made him decide the Jedi have to end because it's such a huge deal, right? Mm. So there's going to be something pretty earth-shattering in these books. Yeah, there was an article in Star Wars Newsnet and that was basically about Luke on his hunt for Jedi lore, which is essentially the only thing that we know categorically that Luke was doing post-Return of the Jedi. He was hunting around the galaxy for the old manuscripts and information about the Force. Um, and according to this Star Wars Newsnet article, Luke found something that shattered the fundamentals of his faith. And there's the implication that it also did the same for Kylo Ren. And it's potentially this discovery that drove them off in these radically different directions. Um, and yeah, so I would be unsurprised if these books were tied to that plot development. And these are what Luke found, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's also worth saying here that at this point, like over this shot and the previous few shots, we also hear Ray replying to Luke when he asks her, what do you see? And she says, light darkness and a balance <laughs> um and yeah like it felt pretty good to hear those words it's like yeah all about the balance people all about the balance yeah i mean people have very different ideas of what the balance could be there's <laughs> yes. been a lot of discourse this last week about the notion of gray jedi which are not canon um and it might just be an issue of semantics i think that's what it is people are trying to think of a, a way to name potential force users who wouldn't be constrained by either the light or the dark if that's even possible um Mm. but this notion of balance it's like okay so how would that be embodied within a force user is it possible to be balanced do you need more than one person to be balanced um it raises all these sorts of questions so it's really cool to see people talking about those ideas yeah no it's really interesting um and 
yeah, it suggests that there's going to be a lot of nuance going on in this film, which is an exciting prospect. Um, because I don't think it's just going to be about destroying the dark side and destroying Kylo Ren. I think it's going to be about understanding like both sides and like weighing them up. I'm not saying they're morally equivalent, because they're clearly not, but it's the idea that you can't really achieve anything by just blindly destroying the other thing or ignoring it or acting like it doesn't exist. Right. You have to at least try to understand it and engage with it. And have like a dialogue and proper interaction there. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, obviously, Star Wars has always drawn on these Jungian ideas of everyone having light and dark elements to them, um, and that everyone has the potential to do good or evil. But it's not about saying that evil is okay or acceptable. It's acknowledging that that's always going to be there, and maybe yeah. maybe understanding it, and that's the way to get a, a hold on it, rather than just simply eradicating it or ignoring it. Um, which is kind of what the Skywalker family tried to do, right? By not acknowledging that Vader was their father. Mm. Um, and, you know, that being this big secret that came out, it is this idea that if you just pretend something isn't over there, it's just it's just in the corner, it doesn't matter, um, that it will blow up and become so much more of an issue. Yeah. So you wonder if that's kind of embodied in Kylo Ren because he didn't know that his grandfather was Darth Vader and then all of a sudden maybe things called kind of clicked into place for him and he thought that that was his destiny too. Yeah. I think the absence of balance from Kylo Ren is probably part of what sent him into such a spiral into darkness and stuff because it doesn't sound like there's any like level of appreciation for the different sides or the balance there. It's all like this very like fundamentalist single-minded viewpoint that's not conducive to a good outcome yeah. basically actually that's another thing that reminds me of a moment in bloodline when leia is recalling luke telling her about their father coming back to the light i mm. can't remember the exact quote but the way she describes the look on his face when he's talking about vader it is in this very evangelical like he came back to the light like very like oh, I, I can't even think of the words to describe it. i wish i had the quote in front of me but do you know what i'm talking about i know exactly what you're talking about yeah, yeah. it's like this indication that he has almost like this euphoric yeah. transcendent it almost... air to him when he's describing it and it sounds like very detached from like normal human emotions and right. how people experience things yeah it's almost eerie that you can imagine yeah. this creepy expression on someone's face which <laughs> um, I don't want to yeah. think about Luke looking like but it's yeah. it, it almost hints that like he went too far to the light or something like that you know yeah um, it's very like cult like yeah almost which, you know, would make sense, really. Like, if, if you figured out that your father was Darth Vader and then he managed to come back to the light, you would think, wow, the light is so awesome. Like, it's able to do that for someone who did so many terrible things. Um, that, yeah, like, maybe it made Luke go too far the other way and he forgot about the dark or didn't take it seriously or, you know, didn't notice it taking over his nephew. Mm. It's interesting to think yeah. about all these possibilities. Absolutely. Right, then the next shot is a close-up of what's inside one of the books. And it appears to be the symbol of the Jedi Order, I believe, if my memory's not failing yeah, me. Yeah, it is. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, yeah, it's interesting. Now, I've also just noticed, looking at it now, that it's like with the page is torn, mm. like part of it's been come out. Um, and there's obviously a hand on the book as well, and it looks like someone's like tracing it and giving it careful consideration. Um, 
it's really impossible to say whose hand that is. It could be Ray's, it could be Luke's, it could, could be young Ben Solo's. Who knows? Um, I have seen pictures of Ray from Jakku with very similar gloves, so that makes it somewhat more plausible that it might be her. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is clear that this is just the interior of one of the books from the previous shot. Yeah, and you're right that it does look damaged. I mean, that might just be a case of it being old. Um, yeah. But there have been kind of these hints that the the tree, which it looks like they might be inside of in terms of where the books are, mm. um, the, the tree could have been on fire at some point or, yeah, I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> I'm just trying to connect it's things in my mind. It's possible that Kylo tore part of the page out or something. Obviously, that's heavy speculation. But he might have deliberately wanted to like desecrate the books. Mm-hmm. Like he might have thought they were dangerous or damaging or harmful in some way. Mm. And then that might explain why he torches the tree when he actually arrives on Act Two, which does seem to be a thing that happens. Um, because the tree is clearly what contains the books. And he I guess would know that. And so he's like, Nope, these are gone. These are gone. Wow. <laughs> Do not stop me. Maybe. And yeah, it's also worth mentioning that in coming up to the next shot, Luke whispers, it's so much bigger. <laughs> That's in response to um, Ray saying light, darkness and a balance. Um, so I'm guessing he's basically telling her, oh, your idea is way too simplistic. There's loads more going on. God. Um, not in that whiny way, though. Um, so yeah, there's an interesting comment from him. And it does definitely suggest that Luke's had his mind expanded, as our minds will inevitably be expanded when we watch this film. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah, this is an interesting quote. And the next shot that that line comes over is a very, very wide and distant shot. And it's like Ray swinging a lightsaber back and forth. Um, there's a figure watching her from further up on the cliffside. And it looks to me to be Luke. Yeah. Because he's wearing like the same kind of tunic that he's wearing in the last shot of the trailer where he's in the silhouette form yeah um and then closer to ray there's a tall rock and i've seen some people speculate that yoda might be perched on the rock which is very possible but i well it's just too distant i think i don't think you can say with certainty you know well you wouldn't see a force ghost like that would you I don't think so. It would be a bit odd. Like, it would suggest, like, Yoda's become a bit of a permanent fixture on the island. <laughs> so, are you worry I'm going to watch Chill I while as I watch you? Sorry, I'm really bad at Yoda's speak. I should never try that. Yeah, I think it is just a rock. Yeah. This is going to be, like, the gravestone of um, The Last Jedi, isn't it? Can you remember everyone thought that rock next to Luke at the end of The Force Awakens? People were convinced it was the gravestone of his dead wife. Yep. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be that, I swear to you. Oh it's going to be annoying. Um, but yeah, Yoda is in the film, basically. We've had that all but confirmed, essentially. So if it were Yoda, it wouldn't be a shock. But for various reasons, it seems unlikely. Um, but yeah, just beyond any of that nonsense, it just seems to be a very beautiful and striking shot. Ireland looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to go there. So yeah, fun times. Um, right. And then the next shot is... Interesting because it's actually the f- no, actually that's not true because we have Leia before. I was going to show- say it's the first shot that is not of Act Two, um, but that is a blatant lie. So apologies. Um, the next shot is of Krayt, which I'm probably mispronouncing, but oh well. Um, and it's a Resistance planet, and we've previously heard quite a lot about it from making Star Wars. 
And they've been really, really on the money with their reports about this whole planet because everything is lining up pretty well. Um, and yeah, like they filmed this on salt flats in Bolivia. And so the surface that you're seeing, like it, it's not snow. It's like this white salty crust on the planet. And if you look carefully at the ships, you'll see they kind of have these like sharp drills attached to them. And they're deliberately cutting open the earth to release this red gas. So I'd guess that it's going to be used as some kind of diversion tactic to fight against the Atat walkers that are coming towards them. Mm. Is that what you see, Kirsty? Yeah, I think so. Um, there were some kind of interesting parts in the Making Star Wars reports where they said there was red. Did they say like, they compared it to lava? Yes, they did, I think. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that must have just been a mistake. Um, I've seen other write-ups of the trailer suggest that it could be like a smoke so yeah if it's like a gas that's underneath the salt then i guess that would make sense for them to use it against uh the first order if they come and invade Mm. i think they're new um ships as well i don't think they're existing ships but i'm not like the person to go to for star ships Um, at least not ships of this variety (laughs) um it's really beautiful though isn't it like that color contrast it's something very different that we haven't seen before like it is, yeah. Yeah, I think maybe again with the Empire references, people could be like, "Oh, a white surface planet is going to be another half," but yeah. visually, it's quite distinct. Yeah, I've seen lots of people jump on that idea. It's like, "Oh, it's just copying Empire Strikes Back," <laughs> and it's like, guys, it's a single shot from a trailer, and it's like, yes, I know there's at- atars, but it's like there's certain things in every Star Wars movie. It doesn't mean it's a copy. Yeah, it <laughs> also like, means give... like the actual story won't be the same. It's yeah. just. These are components in the Star Wars universe, you know, that Atats exist. Yeah. So people would use them in these military scenarios. It's like having a Toyota. In two <laughs> films. It doesn't mean that the one film is ripping the other off. It just means they both happen to have the same vehicle. Yeah. It's like, ah. Um, yeah, and Ryan Johnson, he actually spoke to Entertainment Weekly about this planet as well. And I'll just read out a little bit of this because it's quite interesting and illuminating. And he said, it's way out there. It's very remote. It's uncharted, says Johnson. It's a mineral planet. And so there are mines on it. The director, previously best known for Brick and Looper, noted how there are some beautiful design elements. And I hope some really unique ones that we're able to bring into it. The shot of these small ships darting towards giant walkers mimics the snowy Hoth battle sequence from The Empire Strikes Back, but this white crust is salt. The white dusting of salt over this red, rubyish mineral base, he says. According to Johnson, Krayt is the site of an old rebel base there that's now abandoned, and the planet was one of the first things he had in mind when planning The Last Jedi. It ends up playing a key role in the movie, he says. Adding that the Resistance fighters flying in the skimmers seen in the trailer show up where they have to deal with a very pressing and immediate threat. Um, so yeah, it sounds interesting to me. And as you said, Kirsty, I really like the aesthetics going on. It's really beautiful. Wasn't there something else in the Making Star Wars reports about how... So it's it's a mining planet and the Resistance are using it to fund their... Their operation, yeah. yeah. So they're able no, to mine something. With, I guess that's the mineral itself underneath there. Yeah, it sounds like The Last Jedi is going to be enticingly interested in the economics of the um, (laughs) galaxy, which is good because you don't get much sense of how things work beneath the surface, like on the macro level in The Force Awakens. 
So it seems like that there was going to be allusions to that. Yeah, because they've now had the, the capital of the Republic destroyed. Where are they getting their money to, to fund themselves from? I mean, I had those questions about the First Order as well, honestly. Yeah, I reckon Planet Dubrovnik or Canto Bight, as we now know it, that's going to be where the First Order get a lot of their money from. Hmm. I reckon they're going to get it through like dodgy casinos. <laughs> <laughs> that is my um, speculation. So who knows? Yeah. This is all the kind of thing that, as you say, it was kind of glossed over in The Force Awakens because they wanted to connect people with the characters. But now we have to get a setting of the overwhite, like what is happening in the galaxy, you know? So. Yeah, totally. Right. And then the next shot is of Finn and he's in his recovery suit. This is the only time we see Finn in the trailer, actually. I'm still kind of sore about that, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, like it's it's a bit lame, really, isn't it? Because like, come on, it's not like you need to hide the fact that he wakes up. Of course, he wakes up. Yeah, that is not a spoiler. Don't be dumb. I saw someone. Um, they had gone through the trouble of um, translating the symbols that are on the suit, and they said, "Oh, it, it means he's stable. That's good. Okay, he's okay." Which, of course, yeah. we knew he was going to be okay. But yeah. again, it's something that's like if you put this hint in the trailer, you could then just show a shot of him at another time. <laughs> Yeah, and it's made worse because obviously it's followed up with um, two shots of like Poe in full action hero mode, and he's like, running towards his X-wing and looking very heroic and dashing. And it's like, come on! Like, I, I like Poe; he's a good character, but he's not as important as Finn. Like, it would have been better to give that kind of hero mo- moment in the trailer to Finn, I think, rather mm. than Poe. Um, Do you think this suit is the bio hexacrypt? That's uh, the thing that John Boyega had trouble saying, and Ryan Johnson gave him that. A piece of art that highlighted it. Ooh, or do you think that's something else entirely? I think that'd be something else entirely. Okay. Um, Hexacrypt. It makes me think more like of computers and technology. Mm. Um, and we know that Justin Theroux is going to be playing a hacker. Um, so I think it might be something to do with like whatever Justin Theroux's there for. Okay. So it's like we need to buy a Hexacrypt to get through this um firewall. Um, yeah, I don't think it'll be about his recovery suit. Okay. Yeah, then, as I mentioned, the next two shots, they're of Pooh, and he is running through the halls of the Resistance <laughs> ship. <laughs> Sorry, I needed to make it more interesting. Um, and the Resistance ship is clearly under attack, and there's, like, sparks and fire, and everyone else is running away from danger, but Poe is running towards it, because, <laughs> of course, he is. Um, and yeah, so he runs into a hangar where his X-Wing is, and then it's promptly exploded. So yeah, Poe has a really bad track record with having his ships get blown know, up, because the same po. thing happened at the start of The Force Awakens. <laughs> yeah, it's rough luck, isn't it? It's like, oh my god. Yeah, I, I saw an interview of Oscar Isaac this week that he said, you know, they're really going to dive underneath the surface of Poe, because we know already that in The Force Awakens, he was supposed to die off pretty early on, like once mm-hmm. he and... Um, Finn had crashed on Jakku, but obviously J.J. Abrams decided to keep him alive. So because he didn't have such a character development type arc in The Force Awakens, because of that, um, I'm expecting one for him in The Last Jedi that will kind of reveal parts of his character that we don't really know much about. Because so far, he's kind of been a straightforward hero, right? Like everyone likes him and he's awesome and he's a really great flyer and everything. But there's got to be something else there. Yeah, yeah. And I his character traits are that he's good at doing what he does, he's sexy, and he's very bright and happy. Yeah. 
which you know is fine that's what I yes. yeah no it's fine but like you say i think you're definitely right um there's going to be more substance to him going forward and we're going to learn more about this character yeah. and that's reason to be excited yeah which is cool because Oscar Isaac is so talented you know give him more to play with so absolutely um and then the next shot is actually really really interesting and i think it's more interesting than a lot of people are probably giving it credit for because mm-hmm. it's the millennium falcon attacking tie fighters and obviously the millennium falcon at the end of the force awakens is parked up on act two mm-hmm. and yeah so this can only mean one of two things it can mean that the first order come to act two and the Millennium Falcon is deployed to presumably get whoever's on the island off it and attack those fighters. Um, or it can mean that everyone who's on Act 2 leaves the planet and they go off in the Millennium Falcon somewhere else. And in that somewhere else place, they have this sky battle with the First Order and the TIE Fighters. Um, and yeah, that is very interesting because making stars in particular, they've said they're not even sure that Rey and Luke leave the island whereas this it does clearly indicate that there's movement going on didn't we Um, also see a crashed ship in the photos from ireland as well yes we did that was a crashed tie fighter i believe right so it could be one of these or it could be kylo's special tie fighter um because what was my reasoning behind that oh because Um, um in the reports from when they saw that crashed ship the people who they thought were the Knights of Ren, who might not be, but they were all dressed in black, were kind of knelt in a circle around the ship. Yeah. So they wondered if that meant that the Kylo Ren was inside it. Yeah. But the that's this right. shot doesn't look like it's going to be the same time that he arrives because it's it looks like daylight. Yeah. Um. So I don't I don't think that this is Kylo Ren and his knights or whoever they are arriving. I think it no. is like the the first order maybe coming after them later on. Yeah, I kind of can't help but think it's like the cavalry. Like someone like noticed that like Kylo like wasn't in his bed for bedtime. <laughs> like, okay, where's he gone? Where's he gone? And then they like counted and like tapped their watch. Then he still hadn't turned up. And they're like, okay, we need to launch a search party. And yeah, then the search party found him. Yeah, so they're <laughs> potentially problems. Head cannons going wild here, obviously. But the idea of the first order coming after him to rescue him because he must have got in trouble with Ray and Luke by the time they arrive. Mm. he and Ray have forged some kind of alliance or mm. decided they need to escape for whatever reason and it it could be them on the Millennium Falcon that'd be so awesome <laughs> I would love to see that who knows probably completely off the mark but I just think it's going to be something because it, it looks like a straightforward shot right but I think it could be mm. something more interesting than we realise definitely it reminds me of how when we saw the Millennium Falcon in the early teasers for The Force Awakens and people naturally just assumed it had Han Solo and Chewbacca on it. But of course it didn't. It had Finn and Rey on it, mm. um, who were characters that people knew hardly anything about. Um, so yeah, I reckon we might be surprised by who's actually inside that ship. And I think there's a good chance of Kylo being one of those people. Um, I wouldn't like to speculate about how it gets to that point, <laughs> because that's something that the movie would need to cover. Um, but yeah, it's very interesting. Um, do you reckon that this is Act 2? Because I've seen some people suggest it might be Canto Bite, like above there. I think it's much more likely to be Act 2 myself. Uh, yeah, I mean, and unless other stuff comes out that suggests that Ray and Luke um, and even Kylo Ren potentially are on Canto Bite, but 
I'm not sure about the likelihood of those two sides of the plot converging, especially on that planet. But mm. but we'll see. I mean, it's it's kind of too early to tell, right? So yeah, I would exactly. I would assume for now that it's Octu, but I'm happy yeah. to be proven wrong. Yeah. So I think you can see the sea in the background. Um. So it does kind of narrow the possibilities. Although Canto Bight is also t- coastal. Yeah. yeah. So who knows? Exactly. Right. And then the next shot is where things get very exciting. And you see Ray, and she's running full pelt, and it's dark again. So as we mentioned before, it seems like this is from the time when Kylo and his gang have turned up. Um, And she's running full pelt towards something. We don't know what, but it could well be Kylo, um, because he is what we see in the next shot. Um, And yeah, it's worth mentioning that Ray again here, she's in her resistance gear, so the same clothing that she was wearing at the end of The Force Awakens. So... And that, again, to me, indicates that this is first act stuff. Um, And yeah, like I do not for a minute think this is training. She does not have a training face on. She has a, oh my god, this is important and urgent, (laughs) I need to move face. Yeah, for sure. And the way they've juxtaposed this with the the coming shot after, right? It just kind of suggests that that's not necessarily joined up, like you're not going to see them one after the other in the movie, but that it's about her confronting him. Yeah, exactly. And that brings us neatly onto the next shot, which is super, super interesting. And that's of Kylo. And he's looking very angry and Kylo-ish. He has a scar now. Um, And yeah, I've seen so much like discourse around the scar (laughs) and like whether his eyes are yellow and whether he's blind because the scar goes through his eye. Um, and yeah, there's been all these kinds of debates and discussions raised. And I think I totally get why these discussions are happening because it is the kind of shot where it's easy to see a million and one things in it. Um, to start though, I don't think Kyla's eyes are yellow here. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think people are seeing that because I think Adam actually has hazel eyes. And I think the light's reflecting off them in a way that makes them look more yellow than hazel for a start. And there's also a lightsaber reflection in them, um, which some people have interpreted as yellow sieve eyes. Um, so, yeah, but I don't think that's a thing myself. And I also don't see sieve eyes in like any of the promo pictures or the poster or anything. You can see a hint of blue in his eyes, which suggests that he is confronting Ray right here. Yes. I've seen some people suggest it's the reflection of his own lightsaber, but it did look more like the reflection of Ray's lightsaber to me. Mm. You can see red and blue, so yeah, like his saber right in front of his face, but also a blue that looks further away, like much smaller. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I definitely don't think he's lost his eye. I definitely don't think that's a thing. And that's also backed up by the other photos where he clearly has the eye. Yeah. Um, so it's gone across the skin close to the eye but it hasn't gone across the eye itself so he's fine, don't worry <laughs> seems, he seems to have full vision from what we can tell, unless it's a good prosthetic <laughs> um, yeah, and it's also very noteworthy that there's a big fire blazing mm-hmm. in the background um, making stars in the past have speculated that Kylo might set the force tree on Act 2 on fire because they've seen a photo of the said tree on fire which is really interesting because there are other shots of that tree that look like it's been covered over in moss and yeah. So, but still, like it, the after it's been burned, which yeah. suggests that 
some time could have passed. Like there might be a time jump in the movie. Yeah, that was and, exactly. And what they're I still on Act Two together. Yeah. No, it's super interesting. Um, because yeah, I do believe there's going to be a big time jump. Um, and I think the tree would be a good illustration of that passage of time. And I also think the change in Ray's look would be a good illustration of the passage of time. Right. Because her new hairstyle is strikingly different because her hair's half down. Yeah, it just creates a very different vibe for her. And yeah, like it just creates all these interesting possibilities. Like what would the point be at which that time jump would initiate where would the characters be before the time jump? And where would we find them after the time jump? There's just all kinds of interesting questions. But I'm pretty confident that time jump is going to be a thing. I think that makes sense because I, you know, I'm excited about the idea of having this film straight after the last one because that's completely new. But for the mm-hmm. sake of character development and for them to really show this, you know, epic story, they have to move further beyond a few weeks, right? So The Force yeah. Awakens, I think, maybe takes place over two or three days max. Um, mm. They're going to need to jump a bit further with The Last Jedi. Yeah. So. And I was thinking, again, this is wild speculation hat on, but if they do really want to illustrate how Rey and Kylo's relationship is changing, I think that would become much more plausible if there is a time jump of two years, say, and you know that during that whole time those characters have been in each other's heads. Mm. So even if they're not together physically in that time they're still able to have this dialogue and they're still in communication, perhaps without either Luke or Snoke knowing. And yeah, then that would really pave the way for them to like reach this state of like common understanding and maybe even closeness. That wouldn't have been possible if you were just telling a story about these characters over four days. Right. Because I don't think you could believably have like Ray going from like hating and fearing Kylo to being like busy mates or <laughs> potentially more in such a limited time frame. Yeah, it kind of raises the stakes as well for when they eventually reunite with the resistance, right? Because mm-hmm. presumably when Leia sent Ray off, she might have just thought, oh, they'll be back in a couple of days. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. Because she has no real understanding of what Luke's been up to. She doesn't know yeah. what he's been doing. So it would create some interesting potential elements there when when Luke yeah. does finally reunite with Leia if that's what's happening. Don't yeah, know there'd if that... be real conflict, I think. Yeah. Um yeah, I also find the use of fire behind kind of interesting so it reminds me again of Letter of Ascent. So there's a pivotal moment about halfway through, maybe a bit less than that, in Letter of Ascent. There's a huge forest fire. And that just marks this complete shift in terms of what the film is. Mm. Because up until that fire, it's a film about a bunch of geologists searching for diamonds and it's a bit of a struggle and they're not doing too well. But then they find diamonds and it's great and it's wonderful. And then just after that discovery, everything goes to shit. (laughs) (laughs) When there's this massive, massive fire. So I reckon it's going to be a big transition point. Yeah. Um, it's obviously a really fantastic visual to have and it's the kind of thing that reminds me of a lot of the um, contrasting shots in The Force Awakens like on Takodana they had this lush green landscape and then the First Order kind of came in and there were fires and everything was very dramatic as Kylo was taking Ray to his ship Mm. so it's that contrast of colours and natural elements which I think Yeah. yeah I'm really excited to see that makes them look very infernal and demonic as well. I think this is the unmasked Kylo 
that the general viewer would like to see because he does seem to be very much a villain here. Mm -hmm. So it's not like, oh, who's that pretty boy with the nice curly hair and a stupid simpering face? <laughs> it's like, oh, here he looks like a proper badass. There's a like, fire behind him. He looks all tired <laughs> and he's got a scar. He's turning his lightsaber like a boss. And do, do you know what I mean, though? Yeah, like, sorry, just... Don't worry. Uh... <laughs> I'm glad I'm that amusing. <laughs> Yeah, I can tell you that's the thing, right? They're going to play on certain perceptions, so. Yeah, I think this is the Kylo that many people probably imagined if we had to see Unmasked Kylo. So I know a lot of people are disappointed by the prevalence of Unmasked Kylo. Which I understand because even I expected to see way more masked Kylo than Unmasked Kylo, like in the pro in the promotional phase. So I was shocked by how, yeah, it's basically all just Adam Driver. Mm. That's a surprise to me. Yeah. Right, and then the next shot, it is a like, massive rewind, actually, to the past. Because here we see Luke's Academy burning. No, actually, it's Luke's not Academy, isn't it? Papa yeah. said not Academy. It's interesting, though, because it's a rewind because we know about, well, because we recognise it from the Force vision in The Force Awakens, but also because we've heard that, you know, from spoilers, that they'll be returning to that vision and it will be kind of elaborated on exactly what happened there. But because mm -hmm. it's juxtaposed with the... The, the last scene, it looks like, you know, you could have seen Kylo burning this down in, in real time in the movie. Yes. Um, yeah, I yeah. think I've seen people wonder if this is on Act 2. So I think it was intentionally misleading. Yeah, I think there's three different shots of fire. And there has been confusion over which ones are part of the same scene. And I think the answer is they're all part of different scenes. They're just there are just lots of different moments of fire in this film. Yeah, <laughs> and I've seen some articles even speculate that this could be Ray with R two as opposed to Luke, who we knew was with him in the Force Vision from the Force Awakens. Yeah, no, I don't buy that. No, I don't think <laughs> Sorry, so either. Sounds so bland. I think no, yeah. I think it was just someone not quite realizing that um, we'd already seen this before in a different version. Yeah. Um, and obviously, if you're not keeping it with spoilers, you don't know that um, they're going to revisit this specific moment. So, mm. does this say to you that most likely Luke was not there when all this crap went down? He's just returned because he's so far away. It looks yeah. like him and R two were just kind of turning up and being like, "Oh, oh no, <laughs> what happened?" <laughs> Which suggests yeah. that Luke didn't necessarily have the full story, right? Um, exactly. And in motion, you actually see Luke fall to his knees. Yeah, next to R two, like very melodramatic, of course. It's what Skywalkers do best. Um, but yeah, it's clearly. The vibe I'm getting is that Luke has just got back, discovered this awfulness, and he's crumbled to his knees. Like, oh, God, what's happened? No. Yeah. Um, as long as he doesn't do that whole no <laughs> moment. Although that would be an opportunity to do it if there ever was an opportunity. So. Yeah, something tells me they won't go there. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, and another thing I was thinking is that this destruction is just massive. Like, I know Kylo has, like, rage problems, and I know he's very powerful, but I do not for a minute believe that he did all this by himself. Do you agree with that? I think there has to have been help. I think... It looks... Yeah. I'd be interested to see either way, because I can see what you mean. Um, and I don't know what the, the point would be to have him do it by him, himself. Like, for for the story, mm. I mean. Because yeah. kind of the, the narrative that they're constructing... I know that Han says one boy destroyed it all, but that's kind of maybe the perception that he got from what Luke was telling him or, yeah. or maybe he hasn't even seen Luke since that all happened. Um, so 
if there's this narrative that Kylo was kind of seduced to the dark side by Snoke, presumably he didn't act of his own accord. Like he was involved and had a level of responsibility, of course, but it wasn't just like he decided to do this by himself. Um, it was yeah. it was part of a, a larger plan. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't just like completely in isolation. There was like something bigger going on, and Kylo was a piece of that. Yeah, and I do wonder if that's again something that they could incorporate the Knights of Ren into. Mm. Um, I don't think that Snoke would directly be there doing something because it doesn't seem right. But you can see, you can see something like the Knights of Ren, right? Yeah, Snoke wouldn't want his fancy robes to get burned. <laughs> Oh, we still need to talk about that spoiler, by the way. Yeah. There's so much to catch up on. I think next week we should have a big catch-up show where we cover everything we had to miss. Yeah, that's true. Because that's obviously not something that's incorporated into the, the teaser. But it I was... would love it so much. Maybe we'll see it at some point in a trailer, but all that stuff. That'd be badass. Yeah. Yeah, pimped out Snoke. <laughs> um, right, then the next shot. Oh, actually, no, I've just remembered that I've missed some very important dialogue. And that is Luke saying... I only know one truth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that comes over the shots of Kylo with the, what is, what we're presuming is the tree burning behind him. Um, and it's a very interesting line. And it's also a line that fits into what we've been hearing about Luke having become like, very ideological and potentially very dogmatic mm-hmm. because it's like, I only know one truth. Like, that says a lot about a person and it's like I believe this is the way like and it reminds me of what you were saying about that whole part from Bloodline where Luke's describing Vader's redemption mm-hmm. like, he's clearly a person who's very single-minded in certain ways and he's like very fixed ideas of how things are and how things play out and yeah I think it fits into that narrative yeah and again like we were saying last week it does because it's played over the shot of Kylo it kind of connects the the meaning of it with him as well so you can see this connection yeah. between uncle and nephew that they could have this similar um feeling of you know being so sure that they are right but their views are obviously wildly different yeah exactly they're both heavily ideological they just have different ideologies um right and then the next shot is of phasma and i would guess her execution of stormtroopers who are like dudes making styles i've described before um like sweeping into a resistance base um, some people thought that this shot was tied to the previous one of the temple burning, but it seems pretty clear to me that this is the resistance like base that you see Poe running through earlier. Mm. And if you look at the corner, there's like a blue light on the edge, and you see that same blue light on the edge of like the hangar that Poe runs into when he sees the X-wing get blown up. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's, it seems to be the aftermath of that basically. Like, and I'm sure this will make people moan about how The Last Jedi is going to be a rehash and et cetera, et cetera. But I'm pretty confident that this shot, it's going to be a parallel to when Darth Vader and gang swept into Hoth at the start of Empire Strikes Back. So just after the Resistance have fled, they'll be coming in and they'll be like, curse you, you just evaded our grasp. But I'm sure they'll do something different, you know, yeah. but it just gives me that whole vibe. Yeah, for sure. Um I wonder if Finn is going to be there still somehow. Like, is this just mm. like the hangar that's damaged and they're still going to be trying to evacuate people? Yeah. Um, I wondered if maybe Rose helps Finn to evacuate and that's the oh, start of that relationship. Cool. Like, he could still be in, like, the like the pod, like, in the coma. Yeah. 
Um, and like everyone else is like running around like crazy, and then Rose sees him as like, oh my god, it's the resistance hero Finn, because <laughs> um, we know Rose like hero worships Finn from the comments they've been making. Yeah, and then we see her like help him, and then that's the start of that relationship. Yeah, that's a good idea. Hmm, be interesting to see something like that play out. Um, right then, the next shots they are of some very weird looking ships. Um. <laughs> And I wouldn't really be able to describe them properly, so I'm actually going to refer to the Making Star Wars spoiler report that came out before the teaser for The Last Jedi and described like these ships perfectly. It's really uncanny. Um, and the report goes, It also sounds like the new Resistance ships um, Admiral Holdo brings to the fleet are formidable. They're sort of an abstract design, but they have ball turrets on them, just like the low-altitude assault transports from Attack of the Clones. Supposedly, you can see the Resistance fighters in them as they blast ties and go up against Supreme Leader Snoke's Mega Destroyer. So yeah, it's a very interesting insight. It suggests to me that this might actually be something from one of the later acts of the film. Mm. So I don't see the resistance fighting against Snoke's <laughs> like mega destroyer. Yeah, that's a big deal, really isn't badass. it? Because Snoke, yeah, is, Snoke is so far removed from everything in the Force Awakens. He's you know we just see him through a hologram, but if he's actually on that ship, that's huge. That is huge. Yeah, I can only see that being last act stuff. Yeah. Um, it makes me wonder if Snoke would do something awful to the resistance. To be honest, in retribution for that. Yeah. So be like, curse you for destroying my tea set. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if Snoke drinks tea. Like, if it were, it would have to be like a very special blend. I feel like this is um, going to have to be a battle that the Resistance loses, right? So that it's not... Yes. Because The Force Awakens, they won so decisively at the end there. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Like, it could be a good way to leave The Last Jedi on a very dark note for the Resistance and then create real stakes for the next film. Mm-hmm. Because... The Force Awakens ends things on a very happy, happy, happy note for the Resistance. Nothing wrong with that, of course, but um, I just think it'd be nice to mix it up and have a bit of a change. Yeah. Um. Right, and then the very final shot is of Luke in silhouette, and he's like at the entrance to what I'm going to describe as a tree cave. <laughs> um, you only really see it properly when like the contrast is altered, mm. but... um. It's clearly not like a traditional cave. It's not rocks. It's like tree trunks and they're all sinewy and like flowy and everything. Um, and you can also see Ray's staff leaning against the wall. I like that she's still so she... using the staff. Yeah, no, it's cool. And it's very sensible of her as well because it's got a lot of utility in it. Um, so yeah, it would be a horrible waste really if she just dropped it. Um, and yeah, especially on those like steep inclines mm-hmm. on like two, she's going to use it. Um but yeah, like Luke looks very miserable just from his stance and his words, which are by now very famous. It's time for the Jedi to end. <laughs> it's a dramatic oh. pause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't really do it justice, unfortunately. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a very interesting line. And I believe they're not tricking us. I think that the line is what it is. I've seen some people suggest that like the line might be something like, "It's time for the Jedi to end world poverty." <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't think it's a fake out like that. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's a, going to be a line that's actually in the movie because I I was watching a John Boyega interview and he said, "Oh, I didn't see that line in the script," and it's totally possible that they don't get the whole script. Like that's you know probably even likely. 
Um, mm. But we also know that Mark Hamill recorded lines specifically for the teaser. Yes. So it's it's possible that we wouldn't actually get this line in the movie. It's just kind of a sentiment that's being echoed. Mm. Yeah. I saw that um, interview of John, or at least the GIF version of it. And I found it interesting, though, is he basically indicated that just the whole idea of Luke wanting the Jedi to end was like complete news to him. Like, like really, like weird and like alarming. Like, why the hell would Luke want the Jedi to end? Mm. And I was thinking, like, mm, well, it, like if that is like a big part of the film, like which is what the teaser is leading us to believe, then surely that would not be big news to John. But he's probably just playing coy or something. Or like you say, he might not have even had the relevant script pages. Yeah, he's um, either so much secrecy. Yeah, he's either trolling in the interview and knows full well why. Um, yes or you know as we've kind of speculated for a while now he's his character is very far removed from this element of the plot Uh, yeah so he might not be aware of it i I don't know i don't know how all this stuff works like if after the movie they're all kind of talking to each other and they're able to know about other things that don't concern their characters or if it is still all very hush hush i can't see them being that cruel to be honest so it'd be so mean. They can t- talk to hardly anyone in the world about this stuff. They have to carry all this forbidden knowledge with them. It would be strange they... to be part of a movie and not know the actual story, right? Yeah. To just know the only, you know, the parts that your character happens to be in, but otherwise not connect that with the wider narrative. It would be kind of strange to have to answer questions about it then. Yeah, it'd be very strange. Um and yeah, I guess just the only other thing worth mentioning is that Luke has clearly changed his clothes from what he was wearing at the end of The Force Awakens. Yeah. So at the end of The Force Awakens, he's wearing like these long ceremonial kind of robes. Um, so yeah, that indicates that some time has passed. It's unclear how much. Because Luke seems to have quite a few costume changes, to be honest. Yeah. From between this and the like spoiler reports about what Luke's wearing, it seems like he has at least three or four costumes. Um, so yeah, maybe he's just like a bit of a fashionista, like tramp fashion or something. But didn't making Star Wars say that he looked pretty grubby and dirty at one point? <laughs> yes. I don't wonder if that's this one, because they, they described it as like a garbage bag. <laughs> so this, like, because it's shorter than the, the robes that he's wearing before, it could yeah. be like, this this thing could be really dirty for some reason. I guess if he's climbing over rocks and into trees and stuff, that makes sense. He does look like he's about to go like diving into like dumpsters. <laughs> Oh, poor Luke. Got some nice cans of tuna. (laughs) We need to get him out of that funk. Yeah, exactly. He needs to be Grand Jedi Master, not depressed hobo. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Is there anything else you'd like to say, Kirsty, about the trailer or that shot in particular? Um, Nothing specifically about certain shots, but I guess just that it creates overall this very enticing trailer, right? That, you know, there's Mm. so many ideas to chew on and it's because it's so ambiguous it can go off in all these different directions and we could be completely wrong about all of this but i don't know it, i guess it plays into people's initial perceptions so because we've been keeping up with spoilers it was like oh yeah that's that that's that that's that but people who haven't it's probably quite a shock to see this after the force awakens right because you think yeah you know and you know again the, the actors alluded to this in interviews that people think when ray gets to luke it's like okay so everything's gonna get along really well and um He's going to train her and it'll be wonderful, but it's probably not that simple. Yeah, it's not having shape up. Um, Yeah, no, I think it's a really, really good trailer and a great mood setter. I have seen some people like say they're a bit underwhelmed and stuff by the trailer. And it's just a teaser, I, I, though. 
Yeah, exactly. It's just a teaser. And I think people, they're probably expecting things like that four trailer that I mentioned at the start. They probably expect some like big like wham, bam moment, you know, like a big like, action set piece or something like really to get the blood pumping. And like the Jedi have to end is kind of the opposite. Is a bit like, what? No, they can't end. <laughs> it's not like a punch the air moment. It's a, oh God, moment. And I think that is exciting and it's a good thing to include in a trailer. It's just exciting in a different way mm-hmm. because it gets all the cogs turning in your brain and gets you questioning what it's about. Yeah, it means there are high stakes for this movie. Exactly, which is something we should be happy about. Yeah. So yeah, be excited, guys. Mm-hmm. It's very thrilling. Um, right, I think that's probably a good time to wrap it up. And yeah, looking at the runtime, I'm happy that we decided to only have this in this episode. So Vice would have been here for like four hours. <laughs> if people have spotted things that we've somehow overlooked or forgotten about, please email us and let us know what your thoughts on the trailer are. Yeah, no, absolutely. We would love to hear from you. So if you do have any thoughts on the trailer of your own, please do contact us at scavengershorde at gmail.com. Um, yeah, and you can find me on Star Wars Nonsense on Tumblr and on Journal of the Star Wars on WordPress. Um, where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm Bastila Bay on Tumblr and Scavengers Horde on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, everyone, and tune in next week when we'll hopefully be back to our more regular programme. Bye. Bye.